they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers, that smiling wife. Mary, people have been saying they've been praying for your health, and I see that you're doing better. Obviously, I live with you, so I see it firsthand. <laughs> thank you. And I, th- I want to thank all the people who have been praying for you. They, thank you. Uh, they've been contacting me through my cell phone and email, so thanks so much. Mary, just, I, just a quick reassurance, though. This is I don't have COVID. Yeah. What I have is allergies. And with right. all the winds going on right now, it's like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. The allergies get better and they get worse. And just yeah, continue to pray because allergies, believe it or not, yeah. can make you really sick, can yeah. drain you of energy. And for some people, when it attacks my larynx, it makes it impossible for me to talk. And not only that, she can't sing. And I love her singing. <laughs> so. Mary Danielle, I put a title for today's show regarding a biblical view of how to uh, deal with people who are Catholic and that are politicians like Nancy Pelosi and President Biden, especially when they have been big promoters of killing unborn babies. For example, uh, Nancy Pelosi in her first four years as the Speaker (sighs) of the House, 4,676,000 babies have died through abortion. And she's been a big promoter of Planned Parenthood and saying that we need to have abortion, more abortions available in the country. And that's sad to have to say that. And President Biden has been a big promoter. So those two Catholics, it's a little embarrassing to have to say this, but they've been big promoters for killing unborn babies. And rather than getting mad at them, uh, I'd like to address it. What does the Bible have to say about things like this? And that that's what we need to look at. And again, uh, there's there is a current issue going on right now, and that is that Nancy Pelosi has reintroduced something called the Women's Health Protection Act. Yeah, and it is the most um, pro-abortion, the most pro-killing innocent babies, even up until the time of full viability. Not only full viability, nine months through all nine months of pregnancy, no restrictions. You cannot have. Uh, you can't show ultrasounds. You can't wow. have. You know, a wait period, uh, let, let the person think about it. You know, you can't have parental consent. All of these all of these laws that were passed in order to protect women's health from the knife of abortionists. By the way, it, it, there's nothing healthy about killing a baby. And, and it's not healthy for the mother either, by the way. So the Bible teaches us a few things. And number one, the Bible teaches us that children are always and everywhere in the Bible and only spoken of as a blessing. Okay. And in, you know, Psalm 127, is it that, you know, uh, children are a gift from the Lord, a blessing, the fruit of the womb, like arrows in the quiver of a warrior. Oh, the happiness of the man who has filled his quiver, who has filled his quiver with these arrows. He will have no cause for shame when he disputes with his foes in the gateway. I mean, if you had a choice to go into battle with two arrows or 24, <laughs> you know, what would you choose? 24, please. Yeah, but, and so, and, and then Christ, you know, the, the apostles even, when, when Jesus was tired, they tried to shoo the mothers and children away. Go away. The master's tired. We're tired. Mm-hmm. Go away. We want some rest. And Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me, for to such as these belong the kingdom of heaven. And, and he, he makes it clear, you know, if you do not accept the kingdom of heaven like a child, you won't get there. Yeah. We have to acknowledge our need for God. Right. And so 
we have in um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's talking about what we're supposed to do for our government leaders. And again, we recognize that all authority comes immediately from God. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate. Pilate says, you're not going to answer me? Don't you know that I have authority to kill you or to give you life? And Jesus looked at him and he said, you would have no authority over me except that it were given to you from above. Therefore, he who has handed me over is greater, guilty of the greater sin. So Jesus makes it clear, yeah, government officials, they get their authority not directly from God, but God's permissive will allows people to choose their governments and forms of governments, but they have no authority except that it comes from God. Okay, so Paul tells Timothy, he said, um, I urge supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all men. For kings and all who are in high positions, kings, you know, that's rulers, your rulers, all those in high positions, all your government officials, back in those days it was kings. So you replace that with your your government officials, whatever they are, presidents, whatever we call them nowadays, Mm -hmm. okay? That they may lead a quiet and peaceable life, godly and respectful in every way. Are we praying for our political leaders? Are we praying every day? Are we making supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving? Are we doing this? Or are we just saying, you know, oh, well, you know. What can I do? Yeah, or God's in his heaven and all's right with the world, and God doesn't really care what we do. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't care. Look at the cross. If we think God doesn't care, we need to sit down and really, really look at the cross for a long time. If he didn't care why would he have done that? Remember, the second person of the Blessed Trinity really became man. It wasn't a play act. It wasn't just some kind of a magician show. He really took to himself a human nature. He had a real human body, a real human will, and a human mind. And he put those at the service of our salvation, the plan of his father. And what was the plan of the father? Our salvation. So he, and he died on the cross. And, and as one priest said, he said, you think hell is not real? Take a look at the cross. Yeah. If hell isn't real, if there's not a real possibility that you might lose your salvation and go somewhere where you're going to suffer for all eternity, why would he have gone through all that? Exactly. And at the same time, it's the greatest manifestation of the love of heaven. Yeah. What is this love that goes to such extreme that Jesus Christ, he didn't just die on the cross. I mean, not that if, as if that weren't bad enough. He was tortured. He suffered. He went, you know, he was spit upon. He was slapped in the face. He, his nose, remember, none of his bones were broken, but your nose isn't a bone. It's cartilage. His nose is broken. You know, all of this. And then, and he was, you know, people say, oh, well, the, the, the scripture just says he was scourged. Well, honey, yeah, the scripture just says he was scourged because you have to go back and read how the Romans scourged people. The whole purpose of scourging a prisoner was to kill him. That was the whole purpose of it. And, and these men were, what they were amazed at is that Jesus wasn't collapsing and, and dying. And so they kept trying harder. So the, the, his body was riddled. He was tortured. And then he was crowned with thorns. Yeah. And a crown, I, you know, it's people say the wreath. Okay, we think, well, yeah, the Romans wore a wreath as a crown. Look at King David's crown. It wasn't a wreath. Remember, this man is the king of the Jews. So how are they going to crown him? with a cap, a full cap of thorns Mm -hmm. that they drive into his skull. So he's tortured, and then he's taken out, 
he has to carry his own cross. They had to get somebody to help him because he was so weak. And at the end, he really had a human body. And his, really hum, his human body was being, it was only his will that was forcing the body to go far beyond its human capacity with the help of God's grace so that he could endure everything that needed to be endured for our salvation to give people the grace so that they can live a godly life, respectful in every way. Well, is it respectful to kill babies? No. What's respectful about that? You know, Mary, one of our listeners is listening and they're saying, Mary, <coughs> question. I hear people say that God preordained all things and that he's in control. Therefore, it doesn't matter what I do. I don't need to get involved. You've already answered that, but can you elaborate more on that? Well, God's preordination mm-hmm. is for the salvation of everyone. Mm-hmm. But you see, God's preordination is also tempered by his gift of free will to man. He freely gives him. We will talk about that later. Are you once saved, always saved? We'll yeah. talk about that whole, later in the show. Sure. You know, th- but God gives you free will. Mm-hmm. In order for you to get to heaven, you have to freely choose to cooperate in God's plan. That's it. And, and the reality is, is his desire, his will is that you be saved. But you have to say yes to that. Cooperate. So if, if you just, you know, Martin Luther liked to say, well, we're just dunghills covered with snow, you know. Well, that's not what, what the church, that's not what the ch- scripture what the says, and the yeah. church teaches. That's not what Christians from the beginning of Christianity, from the time of Jesus, have believed about our salvation. Paul talks about being transformed from within, putting on the new man, putting on the mind of Christ. It is not I who live now, but Christ who lives in me. So God never ordained, God never preordained sin. God made a perfect paradise. He made Adam and Eve in the state of grace, in union with himself. They could talk to God. They could walk with God in the cool of the day, and they could speak to him freely as a friend. And, and they, the tempter came and tempted them to not trust God. Oh, God's keeping something from you. If you eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you won't die. You'll become like God. And so now they wanted to become like God. They wanted to decide for themselves what's good and evil. Well, honey, look what the consequence of that was. God did not ordain for Adam and Eve to sin. He did not. He ordained for them to say no to that temptation and to live in his grace. They chose to sin. Right. But he had a full plan. He knew what he would, he knew what their response would be. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you have to choose sin. God gives you the grace not to. If we choose to sin, that's a free choice. And by the way, Adam and Eve's sin had to be an absolutely free human choice. In other words, they knew it was gravely evil. They did it with, with the full consent of their will. And there was no coercion there. Right. Okay. It was a grave evil. They were disobeying a commandment of God, a direct commandment. It, they knew it was a grave evil, and they chose it freely, not out of fear and not out of compulsion or, or constraint. They chose it freely, a free human act, and they lost grace. So God didn't ordain for you to sin and to lose grace. Well said. Hey, Bishop Sheen said it this way. The only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. The title of our today's show is A Biblical Response to Nancy Pelosi, President Biden, and uh, others who are for killing unborn babies. What's the Bible have to say about that? When we come back, we'll have more on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So we, we want to thank that listener who was listening and, yeah. and uh, told and, and texted Terry that question. So we, and that's a good, that's, it's good to understand this. So what do we do for our political leaders? Well, it's interesting here in, in the book of Ezra, the Old Testament. Wait a minute. Wait, I thought the Old Testament wasn't relevant. By the way, I recently heard some supposedly Christian preacher hmm. saying that. It's like, Ouch. wait a minute. No, 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 no. The Old Testament is very relevant. Okay, but in Ezra 6.10, it says um, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. But we want to give the context of this. This is actually from the decree from King Darius of Persia. Mm-hmm. When, when the, was it Babylon? Uh, Darius was Babylon. Excuse me. He's the king of da- Babylon. And he's sending the Jews back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And he's telling all the governors and princes along the way that their people are to help the Jews. They're to give them money. They're to give them food. They're to give them whatever they need to make sacrifices to the Lord. They're to give them all the wine and oil. As the priests at Jerusalem require, let them be given to them on that day, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. So this is a pagan king inspired by God is writing that they should pray for the life of the king and his sons. So God has inspired this. The Jews are returning to Jerusalem. They need help to rebuild the temple and they're supposed to do this and they're supposed to pray for the life of the king and his sons. Mm. Well, that our rulers, we're supposed to pray for them. You know, that, that doesn't mean they're always the greatest guys in the world or the yeah. most moral people in the world or right. the most upstanding, but we pray for them that they become more upstanding, that they become more godlike every day. And so um, that's, that's a biblical response to any king, prince, ruler. You know, we have to pray for them so that they too, because remember something, the scripture says, As I live, says the Lord, I do not wish the death of the sinner, but that he turn to me and live. And I just quoted that the other day for someone in an answer to an app listener question. But I don't remember exactly what book it's in. But all you have to do is Google that phrase and it'll come up and you'll find it. So but but this this is the deal. God wants everyone to be saved. So he wants us to pray for each other and sacrifice for each other so that we will be saved. And that goes for our leaders, too. And it doesn't matter if we like their personality or if we like their moral, personal morals. We need to pray that they will be converted if they're sinning against God. Mary, Archbishop Cordelion just two weeks ago implemented that biblical worldview. What he ended up doing is he wanted people to pray for Nancy Pelosi. And what he did is... His Benedict XVI Institute began a prayer campaign in September, uh, and uh, basically they've gotten over 10,000 people to say that they will at least play, pray one rosary a week for her conversion. So I think the Archbishop is implementing what you're saying, and what I, what I noticed here, uh, he said as of the 9th of October, yeah, over 10,700 Catholics have committed praying once a week, and fasting on Fridays, which is today. Can you imagine right now, people, tens of thousands of people are fasting for Nancy Pelosi because Archbishop Cordelion had that biblical view, and he told his followers, let's go ahead and pray. He released a video that you can, you, people can get on the Internet uh, saying this is a critical time in our country. 
when we especially need to pray for our political leaders as we see our country moving more and more in the direction of the culture of death, he said. Our leadership is very important, so I invite you all to join me in prayer and sacrifice for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. So I, to me, it's refreshing to hear a bishop speak like that. And Mary, if I'm going to give one more, I want to hear your thought on that, as Archbishop Cordelion um, mm. has said. Why don't you give me your response, and then I'm going to have a comment from Bishop Strickland, what he said about this, about Nancy Pelosi. Uh, isn't it beautiful to hear a bishop speak like this? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And thank you, God, that he has called for us to pray for her conversion. Yeah. yeah. How many of us like to say in our hearts, well, that person has been so horrible, I hope they just die in their sins. Yeah. That's a horrible, horrible. You're asking God to judge you that way. Right. We have to resist that temptation. And absolutely, Benedict Institute website. You can go there if you haven't already signed up to pray this rosary and to fast on Fridays. And again, fasting... Some people have hypoglycemia or diabetes, and but we can fast. We can fast from, we can abstain from certain types of foods that are more pleasurable to us. For instance, all desserts today, or we can fast from gossiping. We can spend, by the way, for fasting, the, the saints have written and said that one hour of spent meditating on the passion of Christ is more valuable in a year of fasting on bread and water. So if you can make, go to the church today and make a holy hour before the blessed sacrament and read the passion of Christ. Mm. If you can't, you know, if you can't, one way to meditate is to read slowly and then think about it as you're reading. Try and ask the Lord to help you understand you did this out of love. And yeah, absolutely. This is so beautiful. And to pray the rosary, what is the rosary? A meditation on the life of Christ. So pray the sorrowful mysteries and offer them for Nancy Pelosi. And you know what? You don't have to pray the rosary in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. You can take an hour to pray five decades. Take time to think about the mystery. Go to the scripture and look up the mystery and read it and and really meditate on what Christ went through. And absolutely, I think that's so beautiful. I actually, because Terry mentioned we were going to do this, I went to LifeSite News and the article about Nancy Pelosi, and, sure. and then I clicked on the Benedict Institute website, and I saw it. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And, and I signed up. I Good. hadn't signed up yet. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I've been sick, and I've been busy, and so I did, didn't know. And so, yeah, absolutely. I pray, God, thank you, God. I grew up in a family where we prayed the rosary every day. So that's been my by the grace of God, God has kept me in that practice. And I, you know, to, to, to just keep close to the Lord. And yeah, absolutely. I think we need more bishops. Please, God, yeah. more bishops will say, please, we need to pray for political leaders. Right. Something is terribly wrong in our country. Wake I, up. I think Father Murr talked about it before our show that so many times people don't want to speak up because they're uncomfortable to have to tell somebody something. It's like the confrontation issue. They don't want to confront them. So Archbishop Cordelion, thank you for giving us strong leadership Amen. and the power of prayer for our our leaders, politi- political leaders. Now, Bishop Strickland tweeted this on October 9th. He said, Nancy Pelosi needs to wake up to the truth before she faces her final judgment. Amen. Straight forward. Pray that her heart, Nancy Pelosi, will turn to Jesus. That's what Strickland is saying. He wants her to turn to Jesus Christ. And he's telling her that. Amen. She may have had a nice visit with the Holy Father, but she's in grave peril because she ignores the truth about Jesus, that he died for you. And he also says, Nancy, don't be hung up on your, he put millions of dollars, that will fall to dust. Your soul will last forever. I love you enough to tell you 
to repent of your position. It's not consistent with our Catholic faith, and I want to see you get to heaven. I love having successors of the apostles tell us in charity that if if we're sinning, tell me what I'm sinning and ask me to repent because it's a very biblical teaching, you know, repent and believe in the gospel. And I know that Strickland and Cordelion and others are out there. Uh, I heard um, Cardinal, Muir, Cardinal Mueller say that uh, we need to be more afraid of losing our soul than our body, having this supernatural view of life. And he's saying that the world is scaring us to say that we're going to be afraid more of who can kill the body. It was Luke chapter 12, today's gospel reading. You know, we're, we have to get our priorities in line. And I think these, these bishops are really speaking the truth in a way that is direct but also charitable because the most merciless thing to do to somebody is not to tell them, uh, to let them wallow in their error. We need to lovingly accompany them with the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And that's that. The, the deal is, is it, is it love to um, allow a person to, I remember once <laughs> I said to somebody, look, if you find me in the gutter covered with dirt and bleeding and wounded, don't just say, oh, you know, have a nice day. Show me, show either, either mm-hmm. take me to a place where I can be cleaned up and taken care of. Right. Or show me and teach me how to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, you know, we can look really great on the outside. Our life can look like it's all together and happy. And I saw the picture of the, the what is it, the mayor of St. Louis. Yeah. And she looks like a really happy woman all together. Yeah. And, yeah, I've got it right and yet, and yet she's, she, she wants her city to make money killing by killing future citizens. children. I, I, I'm sorry. Ben something's Shapiro, wrong. Something's terribly wrong. Ben Shapiro said, what, in what universe do we live that, that we're calling the killing of innocent children health care. There's nothing healthy about this. By the way, you know, a, a surgical abortion is a blind procedure. Now, there are doctors who will use an ultrasound because it, they don't want to kill the woman, you know. Um, but the deal is they're still paid hitmen. They know they're killing a child. They get to see the child die right. before their eyes. Oh. So they become so callous. And yes, you can. As Monsignor William Smith used to say, do you think a hitman loses any sleep the night nope, before he, he does a job? No, he doesn't because he's killed his conscience. Mm-hmm. He's killed his, he has no conscience. Mm. We can do this. We can kill our conscience. We have no more conscience. So we're not connected to God at all. And so the bishops are calling Nancy Pelosi, our sister in Christ, to repent and to beg God to waken her conscience again. You know, wake up America. Wake up. It's time to shake up America. A song that they had. Yep. Wake up, America. I remember that. Wake up. And there's another one that Casting Crown sings, and it says, you know, what if we prayed? What, maybe if we prayed, children in school could pray, and unborn babies could see the light of day. Yeah. If we prayed for those who are raised up to lead us. Yeah. Are we praying? You know, Mary, I also want to be easy on her in this sense. I've read and I've seen what she said about the abortion issue when she was in college. There were nuns in the Northeast who influenced her to become pro-choice in this, uh, that term for killing unborn babies. So she's had poor formation from priests and religious sisters. And for decades, she has been told it's okay to be a Catholic and to be for killing unborn babies. And I, I feel bad for her, but I also feel bad for those religious 
and priests, many of them have already been judged. And I mean, God's the only one that can judge them. But I feel bad when you influence a politician to turn away from uh, their Catholic faith and look the other way and decide on killing unborn babies and saying it's okay, God understands, or whatever they tell them. So Nancy Pelosi, unfortunately, has been given, let's just say, bad formation as a young person. Now she's old. But this is the fruit of not telling people the biblical teachings of the Catholic faith and compromise. is This is the fruit of what I call compromise. Exactly. And we can't compromise with the world. We're not here to compromise with the world. A soul that wants to win the world has to be greater than the world. Mm. If souls are saved, everything is saved. Yeah, and if people are allowed to live in mortal sin and pursue unchecked yeah. their self-indulgent way to hell, yeah. you know, we're not loving them. We need to love one another to the point where we say no. Sin is sin, and it offends God. And by the way, it degrades you as a human person. That's why it's so offensive to him. It degrades your dignity. So let's be honest and give up our sins and turn back to the Lord. Sign me up, Mary. Hey, we'll be back with more on the Bible with the Barbers. Hope you're enjoying the show and learning much about difficult worldview. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Bible with the Barbers, and welcome back. And I thank all the little radio stations that have picked us up. And um, there were some who thought they were going to cancel us, one in particular in Florida who has decided they are going to keep the Terry and Jesse show at two at the 2 o'clock slot. And, and Mary, let me jump in to say that that was a situation where the station really didn't have a good understanding of our position regarding the COVID-19. And when you wrote to them, uh, I think you made it real clear that this is the mind of the church. And just not to take too much time, but it's a question that people are constantly being addressed on, that many people in the church are saying we have a moral obligation to get COVID-19's vaccination, so-called vaccination. But when you really look into what the church teaches, why don't you share what succinctly what the church actually teaches on that topic, because I think the station, once they heard that, they said, oh, yeah, we, that's, that's our position. Go ahead. Again, the church has no definitive statement on vaccines. The church says it's acceptable to 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 um, receive medical treatment that is morally licit. And the deal is, um, when a vaccine is connected with uh, a, an abortion-derived vaccine that's connected with abortion, then it's illicit. Now, what the church is saying, um, the church is not saying uh, that that. How do you say this very succinctly? Um, the church is saying that because the abortion took place a long time ago, our moral culpability is alleviated. So if it's, there's an absolute true need that there were no other option for treatment, mm -hmm. um, the, because the church can't demand of an, any individual that they practice heroic virtue. And let me give you an example. If a woman is diagnosed with cancer of the uterus and she has three small children at home and a husband, and they find out, well, she's pregnant. Well, if we take, we have to take the uterus out to save your life. But if we do that, it, the baby's going to die. She can opt to say, can I live long enough so that you can take the baby by C-section until the baby can live? And then you can treat my cancer. She has that option. That's a heroic option. And there, Chiara Corbella Patrio took that option. She, she had, um, 
you know, she took that option. The first, or the, it was her third pregnancy. It was the first baby that she had that was perfectly normal. And she was diagnosed with cancer. It wasn't cancer of the uterus. But to treat the cancer might have hurt the child. And she said, no, you can't do anything to hurt my child. So she heroically chose. Mm-hmm. Now, she could have chosen to have that cancer treated. Right. Not with the intent to hurt the baby, right. but with the intent to stop the cancer so that she could live and, and raise her child and love her child. But she chose to say, I will wait. I will put my cancer treatments off until my child can be born healthy. And then you can treat me for the cancer. Now, you don't have to. You're not required morally to make that heroic choice. So if a person is faced with a choice of life and death, they may have to choose. um, It's called the principle of double effect. I'm not choosing an evil. I'm choosing to take care of my health. I wasn't choosing to kill someone else. All right? right. But you have to be choosing a moral good. You cannot choose a moral evil. If, if you're actually choosing the, the, the death of a child so that you can live, no, that's wrong, and you can't do that. Okay, so the church says there's remote participation because the, you weren't responsible for the abortion. You weren't choosing it. But the church also says there can be no other treatment for the disease. Well, there are lots of treatments for COVID-19, and millions and millions of people have natural immunity because they had COVID and they recovered from it. That's a fact also. And that's just a fact, okay? But, but the church also says that you have to tell your government and you have to tell your pharmaceutical companies and your researchers and your developers, you have to stop killing babies. You have to stop doing illicit things to produce your medical stuff. Exactly. You can't, you can't be killing children. And, and they're supposed to, this absolutely, the church demands this of us. We have to stand up and say, no, we will not condone abortion. You cannot use abortion as an excuse that it will save other lives. Absolutely not. And Mary, also the other element I want to share is the fact that there are other alternative medicines that can be used to treat COVID-19 that are very, very successful. Can you share a little bit about that? And, and we have that from thousands of doctors who have treated collectively millions of patients who have recovered from even even patients, many patients with comorbidities. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got America's frontline doctors. You have Dr. Armstrong down in um, Texas City, Galv- Galveston County. You have um, Dr. Zelenko. You have um, Dr. McAuliffe, Peter McAuliffe. And they're all talking about, you know, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, you need zinc, you need vitamin C, you need vitamin D, you need good nutrition. Yep. You need to get out and exercise and get in the sun to get the vitamin D if you can't take it you know, supplementally. But, but you need, and, and there are plenty of treatments, and they have, they have now, um, um, they have something called monoclonal antibodies, and I'm very cautious about this because Regeneron's, there's a brand name, Regeneron. Regeneron's monoclonal antibodies are connected to abortion. Not that I'm not saying there's aborted fetal tissue in the in the medicine, right? But they used aborted fetal tissue in the development stage, right? So no, we don't want to do this. You know, doctors out there, you all know about adult stem cells. Why don't you do a little research into this and see how? If, but we know already, budesonide, the the steroidal inhaler, yeah. helps to stop COVID in its tracks. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. And granted, these have been, you know, um, what do you say? There's a doctor in Argentina, by the way, that Dr. Um, Dr. Um, 
Mercola interviewed. And this doctor in Argentina has used ivermectin tremendously successfully. And he, and he said, there's, there's no problem with it. You, you don't, you're not treating a horse, so you don't give a, a human being a horse's dose of ivermectin. You're, you're treating a human being, so you give them a human dose of it. And the reality is that we have lots of treatments for COVID. And the other thing is, there is no real danger. There's no real pandemic. When 99.5% of the people who got the COVID virus in 2020 recovered from it, hey, th- there is no pandemic, honey. Yeah, a lot of people are getting sick. That's life. A lot of people get sick every day. That's, that happens. I'm not, and I'm not belittling that. I'm no. not saying that. But the reality is it's not a pandemic when 99.5% of the people who get it recover from it. But there is a pandemic from the, the COVID shots. Look at the VAERS website. The number of deaths on the VAERS website from the COVID vaccine is now up to 16,000, I yep. believe. Yeah, I got it right take, here. Take yep. a look on VAERS. Yep. You know, and that's, that's a government. And, that, and according to the research, we know that, that, that a big university researched the VAERS website, and they said only 1% of vaccine adverse effects is reported on the VAERS website. So take that 16,000 and multiply it because, honey, you're talking about 99% of the deaths aren't being reported. Yeah. So the number is way above 16,000. And I might add, Mary, the other element is the $4 billion of revenue um, uh, Pfizer has received from this, that if you are a person who recovered from COVID and your antibodies are there, they refuse the science that says when someone has this virus and they recover that they don't need a vaccine their body produces the uh, antibodies to fight that and they're just denying that it really shows to me mary and this is just you know follow the money four billion dollars of revenue i earlier said something and then we can get back to your, your study here that um these and there's a un, unearthed video showing Dr. Fossey, the health experts, discussing this China virus, global vaccines weeks before the COVID came out, and the panel moderator is recorded saying, "Are you ready for this? This says it all." It says, "If we need to have lots of people die for a sense of urgency to incur a mobilizing a universal flu vaccine, you see, I believe, and this is just I know, crazy Terry." But I believe a lot of people are realizing that we've been duped by this, this that, that there are people who want to see this pandemic to control a lot of us people and to make it so that they make a lot of money on this and they deny the science, but they, they make it so that there's a fear factor that makes people just roll over. And I think that, as I've said the show before, we're making progress. People are standing up and saying, no. This isn't right. You're you're not dealing with the science. You're trying to manipulate us. You're trying to control a whole population of people around the world to fall in line. And I think that's tragic. It is absolutely tragic. And and the reality is the Catholic Church teaching, and this is a big one, that also in that uh, I think it's um, Dignitas Persona 2008 document. It says the church cannot tell you to violate your conscience. That's right. So if you have judged in your conscience and you've prayed and you say, no, it's not right for me to take an abortion tainted vaccine. Mm-hmm. No one can force you to do this. That's right. And in the United States of America, we're supposed to be a free country. People are supposed to have freedom of choice. And this is why Monday, the, the schools in California are asking for a walkout. That's right. the, you know, the, the parents, excuse me, the parents are asking Don't for a walkout your kids so school. that teachers and, and students are not going to be forced to that their freedom, 
their civil rights aren't going to be violated and take away. Go to the 1964 Civil Rights Act and read it. You're not supposed to force people to do these things. Sure, you can have a vaccine and make it available, but it's up to the individual to decide whether they want it. People aren't dying from COVID-19 in the numbers that were purported. And a lot of false reporting was done. There's a lot of lies. We want the truth and the truth will set us free. And by the way, the pursuit of money is the root of all evil. And was it Bishop Corday Leon or Bishop Strickland who said to Nancy Pelosi, yeah. all your money, all yeah. your money, that's not going to mean anything, honey, when you stand before God. Right. It, that, that's, just, that's all passing. Yep. What's, what's gonna, when you stand before God is, did I do your will, Lord? Yep. Did that's I choose it. you or was I choosing the devil's way? Did I allow myself to be fooled by the, the, the prince of darkness who was a liar and a murderer from the beginning? Did we get it? He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Lying and murdering go together. That's right. Give up lying. Give up murdering. Let's go back to life. Let's turn back to a culture of life. Let's inaugurate a culture of life in our country. Let us fight for our right to be a free people who can serve God freely without fear holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. That's what we're called to. That's all we're asking for. Well said. I want to remind everybody they can go to catholicrc.org and there's plenty of downloads where you can pick up material there on our website. Also, I want to remind everybody the Spiritual Warfare Conference begins on the 28th of January. We just got word. We're going to put that up on our website. Mark your calendar. Father Chad Ripperger is coming, which is exciting for us. Uh, can you imagine that? Yes, I said it right. Father Chad Ripperker will be here with Jesse and uh, all the guys from uh, the uh, Father Chad's group. And it's going to be a great conference. So you can sign up by calling 877-526-215. And we'll get that on our, on our website soon. Stay with us, family. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment... Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. I want to thank all of our listeners. I want to thank all of those who support us with their financial help. And I want to thank all of those who pray for us and offer their sacrifices for us. Um, we were talking in the beginning of the show about um, praying for our government leaders, that they will be truly godly men and women who will lead us in the ways of God. And then um, we talked a little bit about the, the vaccine and the, and the difficulty with, you know, mandating, mandating <laughs> that anyone get this. This is a violation of conscience in the Catholic Church. It's a violation of our conscience to mandate that we get something that we, we deem to be morally evil. And it's a, it's a violation of our freedom. It's a violation of our civil rights in the United States of America as free citizens. So, um, but in, in, in the, um, what we didn't talk a lot about in the first section, we talked about praying for our political leaders, but we need to pray for our leaders in the church also. We need to pray for our Holy Father, for the, for the cardinals, the bishops, the priests, the deacons, the men called the priests, the, the men who are called, and also pray for our religious, the teachers, so that they will be teaching us the faith. There's a story, John Paul II was having ad limina visits uh, with uh, some of the bishops from the East Coast, and he was having lunch with a group of them. And during the lunch, one of the bishops said to him, Holy Father, there's so much invincible ignorance out there that the people most certainly will not go to hell. And the Holy Father put down his soup spoon, and he looked at all the bishops at the table, and he said, well, yeah, there is much ignorance out there. He didn't use that adjective. 
And because of the ignorance, the people might not go to hell. But (laughs) the people responsible for the ignorance most certainly will go to hell. Now, that's a tragic statement, and it made me shudder at the time I heard that when I first heard that, and it still does. We have to pray for our bishops. We have to pray for our Holy Father that they will clearly teach the the truth so that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. Remember, you know, as Catholics, your ends never justifies your means. You can't say, oh, well, I have a good end in mind so I can do anything to get to it. No, your end is in the process of becoming. And, and whatever means you use to get to it affects the end. So for instance, if you say, well, I, I wanna, we, have, we have evil leaders and, and so we want to get rid of them. So we're going to go do horrible, immoral things to get rid of those leaders. No, that's wrong. You can't do that. You know, they, they have a, a saying that the revolution always dons the cloak of the old tyrant. So we have this issue going on that uh, um, we can rebel and, and uh, if we use violence, <laughs> you know, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Our ends doesn't justify our means. You can't kill innocent people to save other lives. You have to figure out a way to save them both. And by the way, this is, it's, you know, true in, in regards, and people talk about abortion and the hard cases. Well, in the 1950s, there was a woman who had tuberculosis and the doctors had done everything they could for her. And in, in December, in the 1950s, I don't remember what year exactly, but they sent her home to die and because they couldn't do anything more. Well, they expected her to die by Christmas time. In mid-January, she was still alive. So they brought her in to do some tests and they ran some tests and it turned out she was pregnant. And one doctor said, oh my gosh, we have to abort this baby. She's not strong enough to carry this pregnancy. Well, another doctor said, wait, 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 wait. We sent her home to die in December. She's still alive. Why don't we just let nature take its course here and let, see what happens. Just see what happens. So they left her alone and they, you know, took care of, took care of her in terms of making sure she, you know, went home and, and had good nutrition and whatever. Well, gee whiz, long about July, she was still alive. And she gave birth to a perfectly healthy little baby. And in the meantime, that baby had done for her what the doctors could not do. The baby had collapsed the section of the lung where the tuberculosis was and had arrested it, had starved it of oxygen. So not only did she give birth to the baby, she was able to live and raise that child. And that woman, the doctor who had suggested that why don't we let nature take its course, got a Christmas card every year, just simply signed with the name of the family. <laughs> and, and it was always a reminder to him that, you know, so oftentimes people are crying about the hard cases. Well, then the reality is, you know, in the hard cases, number one, just because a woman was raped doesn't mean you should take it out on an innocent child exactly. and, and give her another trauma. Because abortion is traumatic. A woman knows if she's pregnant that there's a baby there and she knows she's killing a child. She may not know that consciously, but subconsciously. And women go through something called post-abortion stress syndrome. And it's very real and it's very devastating. Okay, they're suffering psychologically and emotionally. And they need to know that God forgives all sin and that it doesn't matter what sin they've committed. And most women who go into a clinic... (laughs) because they're pregnant, they're looking for help. They don't want to kill their baby. You know, how many people lie? Did you ever see, did you store, see this, the Abby Johnson unplanned? 
the movie about Abby Johnson? That's a true story. You know, when Abby Johnson was working for Planned Parenthood, she used to tell women, oh, no, the baby can't feel anything. It's not really a baby right now. It's just a blob of tissue. It's just they make up all kinds of stuff. Well, wait a minute. At six weeks pregnancy, when most women don't even know they're pregnant, you already have a heartbeat. All right. They can get brainwaves from the baby. This isn't just a blob of tissue. If you're if it's not a child, if it's not a human being, you're not pregnant. So if you're pregnant, you're carrying a baby and that child has dignity and rights. And even if the father of the baby commit a horrible crime about, against you, I am so sorry. But is it going to help you to have someone else commit another horrible crime against you by killing a child that's living inside of you? A baby isn't part of your body. We're supposed to protect life. The Bible has a lot to say about it. You don't kill innocent little children. Jesus loves the children. Let the children come to him. You don't give drugs that cause abortion. You don't go to, to, to sorcerers, and because in, in those days, sorcerers, they knew what herbs would cause a spontaneous abortion. No, God loves life, and only God can give life. He can, only God can infuse a human soul into a fertilized egg. Only God. If God doesn't infuse a soul into a fertilized egg, it's, it's not going to develop. There will be no life because the soul is the life principle. It's only when God infuses a soul. And, and so what happens is when we sin, sin darkens the intellect and it weakens the will. It makes us unable to see the truth and it makes us unable to choose the truth. And so we need to resist sin. Abortion is a sin. And I, I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm sorry for the suffering of the mother. And that I am. I'm genuinely sorry. Rape is a horrible crime. And as the governor of Texas said, it's not about, <laughs> well, that poor woman who was raped, she should have, no, it's about stopping the rape. We need to stop men from committing these crimes. It is a crime and it needs to be stopped. We need to live godly lives, holy lives. And you know, the more people, the more people live godly lives and the more people who live godly lives, then God has more influence over the lives of other people. It's when more and more people choose sin, we choose pleasure, convenience, comfort, convention, you know, just going along to get along. I'm not going to say anything because I might offend somebody. So I'm not going to tell them that sin is sin. I'm just going to say, oh, well, whatever feels good to you. No, honey, it's not whatever feels good. God made man. He made man in his own image. Man has a dignity before God. Every human person has a dignity. By the way, even criminals have dignities. They have human dignity. We need to bring them to repentance you know, prison isn't supposed to be about just about punishment. It's also supposed to be about reform. Read the Clint San Quentin story by Clinton Duffy. He reformed men. He truly reformed men. He got men to come to know Jesus Christ and to turn their lives over to goodness and to change because he introduced them to the power that could change them, the grace of God. The grace of God can change us all. 
You know, God gives us grace. He gave Adam and Eve grace. He didn't make them sin. They freely chose to sin. If we sin, it's our choice. But when women are pregnant and they're scared, they don't know how they're going to support this child or they're alone or they've been raped or they're sick. Maybe, maybe there is a hard case. Maybe they're getting really sick from the, the pregnancy. And I did. I had an aunt who she was so sick during one of her pregnancies. And again, this was in the 1950s. This was before Roe versus Wade. In the case of the hard cases, there was never a question. In the United States of America, it was always legal to have an abortion. A doctor could do an abortion if he determined that the life of the mother was at stake or if a woman had been raped, by the way. So you didn't need Roe versus Wade for the hard cases. You never, you didn't, you know, it was already legal. We needed to be fighting against that. But my, I had an aunt who, my mother's sister, and she was deathly ill. She was throwing up. She couldn't keep anything down, including water. And she ended up in the hospital because she was so sick and dehydrated. And, and the, her doctor came in and said, look, we need to take this baby. We need to do an abortion because um, you're going to die. This pregnancy is killing you. And it, my aunt cried. She said, no, you can't kill my baby. You have to find another way. You can't kill my baby. And so the doctor went and said, fine, I'm going to get a specialist to come in here and talk to you. And so the specialist came in and he examined her and he looked at the doctor and he said, if you put that woman on the table and do an abortion on her, you will never take her off the table alive. It will kill her. You give her an IV and you get her body strong enough so that it can keep food and nutrition down. Get her to the point where she can keep food and nutrition down. My aunt was able to carry that baby full term. Okay, that was a hard case. But the reality was mama didn't want to kill her baby. Mama wanted help. She needed help. And because of another doctor who told the truth, she got the help. And my godmother, when she was 40, in her late 40s, I believe 47, she was pregnant. And the doctor could not get a heartbeat on the baby. And yes, we've, they've been able to get a heartbeat on the baby since a long time. Anyways, he, was, he wanted her to, to, he thought the baby was dead. So he wanted to go in and do a DNC. And she said, no, no. Uh, and so he said, okay, fine, we'll wait, we'll wait. And it turned out that she, she carried the baby nine months and she, the baby had a heart condition. That's why the doctor couldn't get a heartbeat, but she gave birth to a live baby. And the doctor was very grateful that mama had resisted his desire to do a DNC because the baby wasn't dead. So pray, pray hope and don't worry. We need to turn to God. We need to turn. That's what the Bible tells us. God is in charge. He loves us. It's never permissible to do an evil so that good will come of it. We have to do things God's way. We need to turn back to God, repent of our sins, give up our sins. Thank you so much for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, to Bible with Barbers. Thank you all the radio stations who pick us up and, and do pray for us. Thank you all of our benefactors. And if you like, if you enjoyed this show, please like it and share it and encourage your friends to get the app and to listen to it. Please, God, we'll see you again next week on Bible with the Barbers.